This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins a national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Obviously, Colin Fisher, starter, first time out, five innings, no walks, made him swing the bat, which we loved. You know, not a lot of super hard contact and played pretty solid defense. It's Colin Fisher is who uh, Dave Van Horn is referring to, or Big Tuna, as I guess I saw Kendall Diggs referred to him in the uh, newspaper article. He looks like Jim Halbert? Must. Yeah. He, he must He must look like him. Either that or he's got a last name that has fish in it, because you know how it is in sports. If you've got a last name that has anything to do with aquatic sea life, they're going to call you fish or something like that. I got a guy, uh, or I got two instances, one where they had, they had no choice and the other where you might have left him alone with it. I had a guy, a kid in, um, in rookie ball whose name was Casey Trout. Now the, the, the Trout name, there have been three Trouts that have played Major League Baseball. Dizzy Trout was a longtime pitcher. His son Steve was a longtime pitcher. Casey wasn't, wasn't, uh, um, wasn't um, related to them, but everybody called him Fish, just, you know, because Trout. Well, 2011 Travelers, Mike Trout, that Mike Trout was the center fielder. Nobody referred to him in anything with Fish. Just Because he was good. He was too good. Yeah. That's when right. you're too good, they're kind of like, yeah. But I don't, look, nobody's ever called Salmon. Nobody's ever named Tuna with a real name. Um, but Fisher, big Tuna. I like it. So he's 6'3". 220, he's a freshman. He doesn't look like a freshman. He didn't pitch like a freshman. He pitched like somebody who had a feel for what he's doing. Threw a lot of strike one, got a lot of quick outs. And this is a, this is a pitcher that, you know, honestly stands out, I think, amongst the pitching staff that is more known for, like, velocity and, and spin rate and those analytics that we'll touch on from the pitching lab and anything. And like, I think Fisher's got good stuff. His stuff seems to be very good, but I don't think he's a guy that necessarily lights up the radar gun. He threw about, what, 92, 91, 92, through to spots. It's an impressive start, especially against a veteran lineup that uh, seems to have a sense of what they're doing up there. So for, for, for right now, I mean, it changes sometimes based upon how somebody throws the next time out, but for right now, I think, I think you got your midweek starter right there in Colin Fisher. So Ben Bybee, the hamstring, whatever the illness was that made him unavailable for, for yesterday, uh, I'm not going to say he's been Wally pipped, but he's kind of been superseded right now by a kid that went out and threw a great game yesterday. Yeah, you got to be careful, Phil. Uh, the going from seventh grade uh, to ninth grade to, to your senior year in high school to, to college to the professional level, uh, each level you go up, each year you're playing, the backups are good too. Uh, you you got to show up and work. You got to be ready to go for whatever reason. Uh, you can't go and somebody gets an opportunity. Sometimes they don't let it go. I mean, that's 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 good. You get an opportunity. And I know it's just one game, but that's what you want to see. And and kids get an opportunity to go compete. Uh, sometimes then they, they take control, and, and that's a good problem to have if you're coach. Well, he had the best start of any of the starting pitchers this weekend against the same lineup, too. You know, Hagen Smith wasn't really good Friday. He'll be better this Friday against a better Oregon State team, I'd expect. Brady Tigert was good, but, you know, he still had some traffic on the bases. I mean, he had five, 
five guys reached that weren't on hits. He had seven base runners in five innings. He was good. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's just Fisher was uh, was a little better. He was a little better because they only allowed four men to reach base. I was impressed. I was very impressed. And you know the best part about it. I don't know if it's. I'm sure this wasn't the reason James Madison was swinging early in the count because they had that three o'clock uh, travel curfew, two hours and eight minutes. You're only going to see a lot of games that go just two o eight. That was nice yesterday. It was uh, very nice. Was there any fatigue? You think? And, and I, I, as far as for James Madison, you got to think they probably looked the most sluggish they looked in all four of their games. Like they, they probably their energy level was probably a little lower. They, they came, they got their one win. You kind of had to think that had something to do with it. You kind of, kind of thought as long as Arkansas got out there and, and you didn't. The, the only thing you didn't want to happen was James Madison score six runs in the first two innings. You know, yeah. don't give them any hope. Kind of get up on them early and then just kind. To, you know, set them to bed. Yeah, I mean, I remember traveling with the minor league team sometimes that last day. If, especially once you day, got one, right? Well, and sometimes it would depend on what kind of motel you're sleeping in and how crappy that is, right? <laughs> better, better, better place to sleep, better sleep. Last day of the series, maybe you play a little bit better too. So I, 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 I appreciate it. I appreciated them getting out in front early. Uh, we saw... A pretty ridiculous defensive play by Vahiva Aloy. It's um, it's just this little nonchalant, over-the-shoulder catch in foul territory like it was absolutely nothing. I don't even think he ever saw the ball until the very last moment, but uh, pretty impressive. Got some questions coming in about the baseball team on the McClarty Daniel hotline. If you got them, text them in, 877-377-6963. Reese, who's listening in Tawnytown, asks about the left field battle. Um, he mentions Ross Lovich and Jason Jones. Now, Will Edmondson also got a start in left field. You know, that's one of the really um, things that we were all watching this last weekend. You had two positions where there were three different starters. You had Jason Jones get two starts in left field. Lovich and Edmondson started the other two games. And then behind the dish, Hudson White caught two games. Ryder Helfrick and Parker Rowland caught the other two. White's the guy that's going to be in the lineup every game. Like, there's no doubt. He's the best hitting catcher. Um, now, Helfrick may get to that point, but we've only seen him for one game. But it's just White has that track record. And, I mean, the guy had five hits. All were extras. He hit four doubles down the third base line, and he took five walks. So, OMG. Yeah, he had, a, he had a sense of what he's doing up there. Bubba will talk about, I like, you can tell sometimes about how a hitter sees the ball by how he takes a pitch. Hudson White takes a pitch like he sees it really well. He's got a nice compact swing, and that's a guy that whether he's catching or not is going to be at the top of the lineup every game. So then what are you looking for from the other two catchers? Helfrick is too good to not play, and he's a freshman who's going to be really the backbone of, of this program or one of the one of the pieces of the spine of the program for the next two years so he needs to be able to play this year and get his feet wet in college football and college baseball and who knows maybe he takes off maybe he takes off and he ends up starting behind the dish more than white um and and then there's rolling and it's like with parker the guy did everything that he needed to do to get more playing time this year. And it's not like he started more games than any catcher last season for Arkansas, but yet he's been superseded by two guys who, you know, are probably more talented hitters, uh, but he's a really good catcher. So will you have another weekend where three catchers start? Doubtful. 
doubtful. You know, maybe Roland would have started the Tuesday game if he had a Tuesday game. And it, but but in left field, it's about the bat. In, at catcher, it's going to be more of a complex thing because these catchers are working with with the pitchers. And I found it really interesting how Dave Van Horn and Matt Hobbs were utilizing. In one case, a veteran pitcher with Brady Tiger throwing to a, I'll call him like a rookie, right? Like a rookie catcher making his debut in Helfrick. And then yesterday it was the other way around. You had the rookie left-hander, Fisher, thrown to a guy in Parker Rowland who's caught like 140 games in college. So, you know, that was the Crash Davis Nuclelouche thing, not like Fisher's Nuclelouche because he could, he could hit water if he fell out of a boat. Um, but that's one of the things here. I mean, you get, you get, that's what I love about these two positions. You have these these really talented veteran pitchers who've been around, who've been in almost all of these pressure cooker situations in college baseball, and they're gonna they'll be able to help Ryder Helfrick become a better catcher this year. And then on the flip side, like Helfrick can get help from Parker Rowland, from a Hudson White, and those guys can help out a pitcher like Colin Fisher or a Gabe Gackle or a. Um, you know some of these really talented young pitchers that have come in this year. It's just it's a it's a it's an interesting mix. But at some point, like there'll be a freshman catcher and Helfrick catching a freshman pitcher. Um, just just understand that those are the moments when it's probably the most talent on the field at that moment. Left field is more about the lineup. I think left field is more about hitting and and what you can do at the plate. Like I'd ask I'd ask Dave Van Horn a hypothetical. Um, Saturday uh, up on the cage, the hypothetical was you're in this position where you got four catchers. So if this was pro ball, you would do what you can to trade one of those catchers and get something in return. Now, it's obviously a hypothetical because we're not at that point where you trade college players yet. What would you ask in return? And his, his answer was left-handed, power-hitting, left-fielder. That'll tell you what he's looking for from his left fielder right now. Not that it has to be a lefty. It's just it's nice when he's a lefty. But that left fielder is going to have to hit for some pop or at least produce runs. Um, you know, somebody that will, like what Jason Jones did yesterday, starting in left field, two-out RBI hit in the third inning. It was a pretty big at-bat for him. You know, and, and, and Jones also was ready for the first pitch of the game. It's rare that the first pitch of the game is put into play, but that leadoff batter for James Madison did it yesterday, and it was a soft flare on the left, and Jones made a great catch on it. He was ready for it. You know, I think, I think they want Jones to win that job. Whether or not he does is up to him. He's got the talent to do it. I mean, this kid was the, he, I think he was the second-rated player in the country coming out of high school when he joins at Arkansas. What, what state was, was he Texas. from? Texas. Texas kid. Yeah. He's from Prosper, Texas. Um, and, look, I mean, he just didn't get in the lineup very much last year in order to show what he could do. But there were other reasons for that, not just because the team was so good. Um, and he's changed his body up. I mean, he's a great athlete. He's a good kid. And he looks like he works hard. It's just... You know, I mean, it's not a it's not a character flaw. If you have trouble taking your batting practice into a game, there's the sport is littered with histories of players that have had uh, beautiful swing and great athletes, and they're big, strong kids and had great batting practices and just couldn't put it together once first pitch was thrown. That's that's partially, you know, the main history of this sport. But I think they want him to win the job. So those are those are those two positions. Great, Jason asks, does the uh, do we win the Sunday game if we not beat ourselves? Maybe. 
Maybe. I mean, you look at beating yourself in a few different ways. You had two guys thrown out on the bases. You had a, you had a couple of misplays, one on a bunt. I know there was another that was um, on, a, on a play that should have been at the plate that was cut off when it wasn't supposed to be cut off. Um, and not knocking guys in. So yeah, potentially if you don't, you know, if you're communicating properly on the field, if you if you um, make the plays on bunts, maybe so, maybe so. Um, I would I would expect that usually in a game like that against a James Madison, that if you lose, you probably had your chances. It's not like the pitchers totally controlled Arkansas batters in that game. And then Stephen asks, how much do the wristbands help the defense? I spoke with Ty Wilmsmeyer this morning for our Bases Loaded podcast, which is coming out later tonight. He's the center fielder. So they're wearing these, these wristwatches, which are connected to Pitchcom. You can't do this in Major League Baseball, um, but in college baseball, they have the watches, and every fielder now knows what pitch is coming, at least for Arkansas and probably most of the SEC teams. Ty said that makes a world of difference, a huge difference. He had to either be peering into the catcher's you know, crotch to be able to see what the sign was if he knew what, to see what pitch is coming. Um, and and that, that tells you how the ball might come off the bat, you know, depending on where they're trying to pitch you. You have a better sense of where the ball can end up if you know what pitch is coming. Now they know what pitch is coming. So that makes a huge difference for him. I think it makes a big difference for every fielder. Um, and, and third baseman, third baseman, left fielders, right fielders, first baseman, they never were looking in at the catcher's sign before. They were never in that position to see that sign. Now they know what's coming. I think it makes a huge difference. Yeah, you still have to react, and, and you're playing the percentages, kind of like a, in, in shooting a basketball. If you're on the right corner shooting a basketball, well, you know, it, it's, it can, it's probably going to go left if it's a miss, you know? And, and so you're kind of you're figuring out, well, what are, the, what are the numbers? The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in downtown Hot Springs, Arkansas is the perfect destination for your next getaway. Join them for a romantic Valentine's Day getaway with a special dinner or romance package. Or if you're coming to town for live racing, they've got room for you every weekend, including Martin Luther King Day weekend and President's Day weekend. Experience all the luxury and hospitality of a Grand Southern Hotel. The accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more details. That's ArlingtonHotel.com. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile device. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team. And remember to use the promo code BELIEVE. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. The game starts here. We always appreciate talking with Alyssa, of course, from Pig Trail Nation. Happy Tuesday, Alyssa. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. I- I'm laughing because I, uh, I just pulled into the Lowe's parking lot. I've got to pick up something. So Saul's birthday is on Thursday. And I ordered something online, and I was going to pick it up at curbside after we do this radio interview. And no joke, I pull into the parking lot, and guess who's walking into the store? So. My husband. And he's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, nothing. I'm not doing anything. That's a small-town moment right there, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. I was like, you got to be kidding me. But I did not. I'm doing great, guys. What's the, what's the number of saws turning? 34. Oh, He's a right. 1990s He's a... baby, which makes math really easy for me. 
He's a baby then. He's a baby. All right. <laughs> well, well, happy early birthday to Sawyer. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And I know Mike Neighbors had a uh, media availability earlier today. Um, you know, we talked so much about the men's team and how, well, you know, they don't, there's not going to be an NCAA tournament in their future, maybe NIT, maybe NIT. The, the women's team right now, look, I mean, they got, if they go two and two in these next four games, and that's an if, because they're mm-hmm. tough games. At A&M Thursday, Vanderbilt at home, Carolina at home, Ole Miss on the road. You know, yeah. Carolina's one thing. Ole Miss on the road be pretty tough. I think Arkansas can beat Vanderbilt this Thursday against A&M. I think this is huge. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Uh, and, and you're absolutely right. Last week at the coaches' uh, luncheon, Mike Neighbors had his assistants, and we were talking with Todd Schaefer, and he said the NCAA has never left out an 8-8 eight eight SEC team. They've got to get to that 500 mark, and so that is the goal right now. But like you said, every win is a premium. And of those four, I think Texas A&M and Vanderbilt are the most winnable. I think you put South Carolina in the L column. They're just that good this year. Uh, and, and like you said, Ole Miss is, is really tough. Coach O's got that team playing really, really well at home specifically. So you also have a Texas A&M team that up until a few weeks ago, they were the best defensive scoring team in the country. They're still right up there, if not still the best defensive scoring team in the country and holding teams to their lowest score points of the year. So that's the biggest challenge for this team is can they go down there and score? And we have seen, I know, Phil, a lot where if this team isn't scoring, they they kind of panic a little bit uh, and, and things go downhill. So this is a big game on the road. You know, Joni Taylor has done really well with that program since taking over after Gary Blair retired, and um, it, it's a big one for sure. You know, I don't, I don't know if Mike addressed um, Talia Scott's absence. She, she went, I guess she's back home with what was described as a serious family emergency. The, the crazy thing is, is, and this is independent of her talent and how good of a player she is, they've played better without Talia than they have with her in conference. Yeah, you know, and it, it kind of makes you scratch your head and wonder why um, because of how good she is and how dominant she can be. Um, offensively, uh, but I think that kind of just goes back to a, a, a gel thing early on. Again, she's just a freshman, and she's stepping in into a place where with Michaela Daniels and Samara Spencer specifically, those two have been playing together now for three seasons, and it's hard to sometimes bring another person in brand new and keep that consistency and that continuity a little bit, and I think that I... You know, they're playing better possibly with her, and I, it's tough to say that, but because of the way that Michaela and, and Sam know each other so well, I mean, they always know where each other is on the court. They play so well together. Those two right there branch out everybody else, Sailor, Miriam, Carly. I think those two just complement each other so well that might have a lot to do with it. Hey, Alyssa, did you uh, get to check out any of the All-Star festivities? And uh, specifically, did you check out the Sabrina versus Steph three-point contest? You know, it's funny because I knew you were going to ask me about that. I didn't get to watch any of it, but I did get to watch a few highlights with Sabrina uh, and and listen to some of her post-game interviews about, you know, how how much, you know, a shooter is a shooter. It doesn't matter if you're a, a male or a female, which is pretty cool. And, you know, Caitlin Clark is getting all of this notoriety right now, as she should and deserves. 
but you know, I I think some people might have forgotten what Sabrina Unescu was doing at Oregon a couple of years ago and what she's doing right now in the WNBA and all that success. And that was really cool to see. I think Caitlin Clark is the the number one most po- or, uh, as far as known about or the biggest college star right now in in, in college basketball. Men are men, men are women. I, I, what are your thoughts, Alyssa? Does she come back and take advantage of this uh, this NIL deal? Because I, I'd have to think she can make yeah. more money at Iowa. She probably can, and we know that because so many WNBA players play overseas to kind of help with the finances because they just don't make a lot of money in the WNBA. And if I'm her, then I definitely really, really hardly, uh, heavily consider that coming in. You know, we just, if you saw, I don't know, UConn had their senior day with um, Paige Beckers, and she's coming back. She said, I'm coming back. And if I'm Caitlin Clark, I'm paying attention to who's coming back around the country and what I can make and what I can do. And you're selling out arenas right now at Iowa. And uh, I would kind of maximize that as much as I could if I was her. Do you see her in any other jersey but an Iowa Hawkeye jersey? Because there's other programs okay. out there. If it's Tennessee, if it's UConn, South Carolina, they, they pay the money to get that name. In, any chance she's playing in a different uniform other than Iowa Hawkeyes? You know, I, I would say no, but I also don't know if that would surprise me. I just, I really think that she is committed so hard to Iowa and bringing Iowa national championship and how they have really rallied around her, obviously, uh, filling out the, the arenas and, and, and having that audience for her. She would have that if she goes somewhere else, 100%. But I don't know if I see her as someone who is just going to run for the money somewhere else after she's dedicated a lot of time uh, to one spot. Let's talk a little baseball here with you, Alyssa. Um, now, I, I, I'll admit, I don't know if I've seen like a ton of criticism about the, the, the one loss, but people are acting as if there's a ton of criticism <laughs> on the one loss, at least on, on social media. But, you know, we know how realistic life is on Twitter and sure. Facebook and Instagram and all of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Does one loss to James Madison make you worry at all, or is it just a matter of that's nah. the way the ball bounces and you can't win them all in baseball? Yeah, it's baseball, guys. Arkansas was never going to go undefeated, and here's the deal. If anyone wants to point a finger and blame at anyone, you can blame me because I told my dad, who was supposed to come out and watch this series with us over the weekend and and tore his Achilles playing pickleball a few weeks ago and couldn't. Uh, He is a JMU alum, as is my mom, as is my sister, and I was like, all right, guys, you can have a game. Like, hopefully, you know, maybe the Dukes don't get swept. JMU can have a game. And so if anyone wants to be mad, just be mad at me because I told them that they could have it and they got that one win and that was big for the program and Arkansas is going to be just fine moving on. So people who are freaking out, you know what? Just turn your attention to Gainesville, who lost their first game against St. John's and then, oh, no, rain. Oh, no, we're not going to play anymore. So right now they're 0-1 on the season. So I heard a, fan, I heard a Florida State fan in that, uh, in that little bit on Florida <laughs> there. I heard just a little bit of a Seminole fan there. <laughs> no, no, I just, you know, I'm sure Courtney's listening, so I just want to heckle her a little bit more. Ar- Arkansas Razorbacks men team, College Station tonight. Um, you know, I don't know if Graham's going to play. It scares me. Mississippi State kind of crushes on the boards. Uh, that's that's kind of what A&M does is, is really pound the glass. Uh, I- any chance we can get something going? Yeah, you know, the way that they played A&M last time, uh, was promising, except for the way that it finished, because they had such a nice lead 
leading into the end of that game, and then they whittled it away, Texas A&M did. And that's what Buzz Williams does, is they're just gritty, and they're going to grind games out. And then next thing you know, it's a two-point game, and uh, it's got to go into OT. So um, it, it, we'll see. You know, I really, really liked how Makai Mitchell has played over the past couple weeks. He's been really impressive for this team, and so maybe he can take another step up with or without Jalen Williams there. Uh, to help out and and see what happens. But again, on the road at Texas A&M, it's a dangerous place to play. Kentucky saw that earlier this year. And Buzz Williams is good. And so I just, I can't really bank on anything with this men's team because quite frankly, I don't necessarily know if we trust them enough to, uh, to, to do what we think they should be doing. So buckle up. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Dry January is over. Check out the new Valentine's Day specials like liquor-filled chocolates. They have Jack Daniels Store Pick Barrel and Willet Bourbon and Rye as well. Come by Eastside Liquor, 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now back to the podcast. A Chuck, our basketball tonight on the Razorback Sports Network. How you doing? Well, I'm doing okay, guys. Hope you are too. Yeah, kind of a quick turnaround today. Just got back from the shoot-around and they'll... Uh... They'll be ready to roll here in a couple hours and head that way. Is A&M uh, at full strength for this game? Or I guess the best way to add, did the big guy who missed the last game, is he in today? He's supposed to be playing today. He played in the last game. Henry Coleman's who you're talking about. So mm-hmm. as far as I can tell, you know, he, he does not play a lot of guys. Um, generally eight, maybe nine. Uh, most of the time, though, it's eight. And with Coleman out in the last game in Fayetteville, it was really – it was really seven and a half if you really get down to it. But uh, he played in the last game. He's been playing for a while, so I would imagine he'll play tonight. Chuck, a lot of talk about Mitchell and, and how Mitchell's been playing uh, over the last five, six, seven games. Uh, what what have you noticed about how he's been going about it? Because, he's man, he's really been playing one of our better players the last few weeks. Well, I think he's, you know, one of their first options now. And the thing about you know, the thing about being able to score with Mitchell is it opens up the dribble drive for some other guys. And I know that, um, you know, there's just not been the level of sustained success there that, you know, allows you to win a game. Um, but uh, I do think it's opened a few things up offensively. I'm going to be interested to see tonight. I mean, we, we can talk about how players play and all kinds of keys to the game, but I really think with this team right now, it's do you compete for 40 minutes? Um, I thought they competed for 40 minutes Saturday. They didn't win, but they competed for 40 minutes. There have been games where they competed for about 10. Um, And so, you know, how do they compete? Where are they when you're 25, 30 minutes in? Must talk to them today about playing through the scoreboard. And by that I mean, I'm sure he means, you know, when you're on the road, you're going to give up some runs. A&M's pretty good. Um... I didn't realize this. There are only four teams in the country that have, that have more quad one wins than Texas A&M, and three of them are going to be number one seeds. 
in the NCAA tournament. So this is a team that, you know, they're fighting to get in. Uh, we focus on our guys, obviously. But A&M's fighting to get in. They're 15-10. and 10. They've got a high net because of who they play um, and who they've beaten. But um, they've lost two in a row, and they have two bad losses on their ledger. One's against us, one's against Vanderbilt. Um, it hurts, honestly, to think that you know losses to the Razorbacks are considered bad losses. Uh, but right now they are. And so I think A&M's in a spot right now tonight where not unlike what Mississippi State was Saturday. They're going to be an NCAA tournament team. They're going to win this game. Chuck, I've been around – so, like, the one the one year where I was around Arkansas baseball and they weren't very good, you know, there was a sense that you were building towards something the next year. You know, you had a, you had a freshman class that was talented but weren't ready for primetime, a couple of injuries. We remember what happened that baseball season. But there was the sense, even as they were losing games, I think it was the last 16 in a row, that there was – there was development, you know, that meant something about next year. And I, I question whether or not, you know, you can view this basketball team or maybe any college basketball team that way because of the transfer portal. But, you know, there are some guys that you feel you'd like to try to develop. I guess Layden Blocker would be one of them. I, I really hope he stays around, and I'd love to see him get some playing time near the end of the year. Well, now, Layden's got to shoot better. I mean, Layden does a lot of things in terms of effort that stand out because this team's not been very good. But you can't be 6'2 and not be able to shoot. Um, now, if you're 6'5, see, I think his game is very similar to Devo's game. But Devo's 6'4. Um, you know, Blocker's done a nice job as a freshman. And I do think people, you know, like his game because of the effort that he gives. And I do too. But uh, you got to be able to score if you're six two, and 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 that part's not developed in his game yet. Maybe it will. I think there's going to be more players on this team back next year than people think, uh, because I'm not sure they're going to have a whole lot of places to go. Just to be honest, um, I think um, I think it'll be you know I think we'll have more people on this team now that are on this team next year than maybe people people think. And and speaking of speaking of people that can score, uh, T Mark is a guy that that needs to get it going. The last couple games, he hasn't really had it going. Uh, we all remember his performance against the A and M Aggies when they came in town. And we were able to get a dub. Uh, do you see him bouncing back, Chuck? I, f- I almost feel like he. Uh, now we got to get help from everybody, and, and I'm not. I just almost feel like we need him to get at least to that 20-point mark, and it kind of alleviates some of the pressure from some of our other guards having to score. But if T-Mark can get 20, maybe that does give us a chance to win. Well, you know, we needed 35 from him the last time we played him. Right. And uh, I don't know that you'll need 35 from him tonight, but you might. Um, Somebody's going to have to score. Battle had 18 the other day. They're going to be down some guys again tonight, I think. And so um, there's going to have to be some other guys score. And we saw that from battle. Um, there's no substitute for making shots. I mean, there are just there's no substitute for making shots. Now, Arkansas was able to do that uh, at times on Saturday. And um, obviously there were times when they weren't. They played a good half at Tennessee, shot a good percentage, and then played a really bad half. Um you're going to have to shoot reasonably well to win the game. I mean, you can't go out there and clunk it at 38% and win. You're just not going to do that. 
Um, we know what they've got in Wade Taylor. I mean, we know what they've got in a guy that can just, you know, go off at any moment. Um, but um, Arkansas is going to have to dig deep tonight. They're going to have to play with a physicalness that they played with Saturday. Um, their roster, you know, in terms of available players, um, is probably going to look exactly like it did Saturday. And so um, you've got to have guys step up, and they're going to be guys playing out of position. Um, that's what happened Saturday. But, you know, they played hard Saturday, and they had a chance to win. And uh, it, it's going to take a similar type effort tonight. Chuck, could you see – I love the fact we did a little bit of that zone. I think Mississippi State went a little zone on us as well. Uh, could you see a little bit of a, some zone matchups, especially if we're – you know, if our whole roster's not there to, to try to run some type of matchup zone on D? Well, maybe a time or two. Um, I could see them doing it a little bit here and there. Um, it just sort of depends. I mean, um, you know, um, Wade Taylor's an awfully good shooter. And um, he's probably their best shooter, maybe their only, you know, what you would call pure shooter. But, um, you know, you might see a little bit of it tonight. I, I, don't, I don't think you'll see an abundance of it, but I think they may, you know, you might see him switch it up every now and then. Hey, Chuck, um, A&M was picked second in the preseason poll in the SEC, you know. And we know what Musk thinks of preseason polls, and I, I really, I agree with him 100%, but... You know, if we're talking about Arkansas being disappointing and they were ranked third, you know, A&M is, is, is a bubble team right now, you know, and people thought they would be better than they are right now. So, you know, this is a pre- pretty huge game for them, as you pointed out. Yeah, it's a huge game for them. I, I don't know that and, – and, you know, I'm going to be honest with you here. I, uh, I don't know that we had a full appreciation for the teams that A&M had played, even when they came to Fayetteville last um, – you know, last last month. I mean, they've played eleven quad one games. You know, they've uh, uh, they played a lot of quad one games. They've been Kentucky, Florida, Iowa State, Ohio State, SMU, all those quad one wins. Um, and their losses. You know, they've got ten losses right now, but five of them are to quad one teams. Yeah, I and see you know, they got the two bad losses. You know, to us and to Vanderbilt. Um, so. You know, when you look at A and M right now, the tournament ended today at fifteen or if the season ended today at fifteen and ten and six and six, they'd be in. Um, I think they could lose tonight and perhaps still be one of the last teams in. I don't know, but um, just as I'm sure Chris Jans thought Saturday for Mississippi State, we cannot lose a, to a quad three team on our home floor. Um, I'm sure Buzz Williams is saying the same thing tonight. Um, you know, the truth of the matter is, and we're not accustomed to being in this situation, but when you're 12 and 13 overall and three and nine, and you're playing a team that's a lot better than that record wise, probably got more to do with them than it does you. And I just kind of think that's where Arkansas is right now, to be honest. Why, uh, why, why do you think Mitchell, um, has been has been coming off the bench, or or you know only got eleven minutes against Tennessee because he's as we've talked about he's I mean, he's really he's come on. It's the best basketball of his career. Oh, well, I think they feel like Lawson, you know, in, in 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 terms of defending, you know, the pick and roll and things like that early in the ball game. They like that. You got to have some kind of punch off the bench. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just got to. And. Um, you know, some guys are better coming off the bench, and, and, and I'm not so sure Makai's not one of those players, to be honest with you. 
That's just different from, from usual because we're used to that that uh, you know energy guy off the bench, the scorer off the bench, to being being a guard. You know, like a like a JD Note or you know Jordan Walsh would come off the bench and provide a lot of energy. But you're right. I mean, this maybe this has a lot to do with Makai's offensive game, which certainly is, uh, has has had an uptick in the last about month month and a half. He's been the sixth or seventh guy generally speaking, of late, and I would imagine that he will be tonight. It would not surprise me at all if he's not the first guy off the bench. If he's not, I would I would think he'd be the second. Um, you know, some of it, too, is going to be dictated by, by, by what A&M does. You know, when you look at A&M, you know, we talk about Henry Coleman. You brought him up earlier. The, the guy that just punishes you, punishes you on the glass is Garcia. I mean, he averages nine rebounds a game. And, you know, this is a guy that's 6'7". So um, you don't have to be huge to be a great rebounder. He's a little skinny guy, and um, he gets a lot of rebounds. So um, to me, if, if, if Arkansas can, can limit the second-chance opportunities from A&M, they got a shot. You know, they got a shot to stay in it. Um, because I thought when A&M came to Fayetteville, with the exception of Wade Taylor, their best offensive shooting to get it. I'm sure it won't be quite like that at home for them. But um, you got to – you got to limit the second and third chances for A&M. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. Hickey and Hole Law Partners are now here for you and all your legal needs in MENA and the Little Rock area. Hickey and Hole Law Partners specializing in divorce, custody cases, civil litigations, and more. Having over seven decades of combined experience to better serve you and the community you live in. Please visit KevinHickeyLaw.com or call us at 479-434-2414 for a consultation or come by an office nearest you. Things are about to get better. Is here on halftime for one more segment. He is in College Station. I'm headed to College Station tomorrow. Women's basketball plays A&M Thursday. Baseball closes out the regular season at A&M, so I'm going to be spending um, a little more time in College Station than uh, than usual. Chuck, people love to make fun of A&M over here. I actually don't mind College Station. I think the facilities are fine. I'm excited once the football series actually does go back to campus sites because. Um, I want to go to a game at Kyle Field. You know, Reed Arena is okay. The baseball park, I think they're putting money into it, and they probably need to. Um, they put a lot of money into Kyle Field, and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to actually seeing an Arkansas versus A&M game there whenever they schedule it. It's a great building. It's a great stadium. Um, our hotel is actually right across the street from it, looking at it now. It's, um, it's quite a facility. I mean, you can tell they take football very seriously here. This is a uh, this is a huge campus. In terms of landmass, there aren't many bigger. I think they've got seventy five thousand or so enrolled here. There thereabouts. Um, and you know, A and M, from what I understand, I picked this up in conversation last night. I guess they still require more so than a lot of universities. They require you to actually be there. Um, evidently, and I don't know anything about it. I'm just going by what I was told. There are fewer online offerings 
at A&M than there are some places. And uh, so consequently, the campus is bustling. I mean, it is like its own major city in and of itself. But uh, A&M's an interesting place. There's no doubt about it. It's kind of funny. I know the hotel you're talking about. I've stayed there before. If you ever needed a lesson as to why and how Jackie Sherrill helped invent this 12th man thing and where they became crazy about it, don't worry. There's a book in your room there. I mean, you can't get away from it when you're at that hotel. Yeah, they, um, they're proud of their tradition. They've got an Aggie prob- uh, proverb that says, if you're on the outside looking in, you'll never understand it, or you can't understand it. And if you're on the inside looking out, you can't explain it. That's what they think. Um, I've always thought they were kind of weird, if you want to know the truth. But um, this is how they do it here. It's, it's an interesting place. And if you've not been here before and you get a chance to go, I would, I would, um, I would say it's probably worth the trip. Chuck, did you get to see any of the NBA All-Star festivities? I, I really liked the three-point contest. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty cool, the the Sabrina and Steph thing. I, I could see, uh, you know, Caitlin Clark uh, being somewhere involved in that, the the way the game's going uh, in the next few years. But uh, I, I kind of dug it. You know, you get to see the young talent, um, the, the dunk contest a little bit. You know, I want to see, I, I, I really love the fact that Jalen Brown, a superstar, a max contract guy, did it. And, and that's what you want to see. You want to see some of the young talent. I'd like to see him bring back the rookies and sophomores game. You know, that's that's the kind of the thing, the Brandon Ingram, the the Nick Smith, uh, uh, Anthony Black, some of the kids that were their first and second year playing. Uh, I, I just didn't know if you got your eyes on it. I didn't watch much. I got to tell you, Matt, I like the NBA, but I think the All-Star Weekend's a joke. Um, the game was 211 to 186. One side shot one free throw, the other side shot four. Um, you know, I mean, one guy came off the bench and scored 50. Um, to me, you know, the All-Star Weekend, and I know the slam dunk competition and the three-point competition are still big deals. But they can't be standalone events like that. The home run derby in Major League Baseball is probably better than the All-Star game itself for a lot of people. I don't know that you can say that about the three-point and the slam dunk. Maybe you can. But the NBA's got to do something about that game. Adam Silver has let the players run this league for five, ten years. Um, he is a milk toast commissioner. And he's going to have to do some things to bring some of this, you know, some of this stuff um, to the forefront and get it taken care of. You cannot have um, a 211 to 186 all-star game. It makes a mockery of the game. And, um, you know, when you play a game like that, there are going to be regular season games that fans are going to compare that to. You know, compare the game they're watching, they're going to say, well, this is as bad as the all-star game. It becomes a point of reference. And I think that's bad. When what you do becomes a point of reference for how you don't want to do something, um, I, I don't think that's good. I, look, you and I share a share. A, I don't. I may not love the NBA as much as you do, but I do like it. I do keep up with it. I do keep up with my teams, and I enjoy watching them play. But this All Star stuff's got to change because it, it it really makes a mockery of the league. And um, I hope he'll do something about it. Uh-huh. So there's my soapbox for today, guys. 
No, I well, you know, the NFL, how long ago did they change? Because that was what that was the saying for the last what 18, 20 years that the Pro Bowl is it's not even thing, it doesn't uh emulate, it doesn't replicate the, the regular season, the, it doesn't replicate the game, it's just a, a totally different thing. So they've changed it. I don't know if you change it where you pick sides and you're able to have like three on three tournaments where it's uh you're able to kind of get in your teams and you go three on three games to 21. Uh, that that bracket style that that might be pretty cool where they're competing because then at least you're still playing defense. But I get what you're saying. They're just running up. What all they're doing is run up running up and down the court being gymnasts. Well, you you, you you're, you're you know, hey, there's not any three on three ball better than that big three league, and nobody watches. Or at least very few people do. Um, again, I like the NBA. I'm not knocking their product. But to me, the only way you're going to have the only way you're going to have a successful All Star game is to bribe them. You're going to have to put a cash prize up to the winner, and I mean three, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars, like you did in that NBA in season tournament. Um, guys, guys cared about that because there was half a million dollars loose change at the end. They probably don't even have to give it to their agent or their accountant. I mean, play money, pocket money, and. Um, I think that's what you've got to do in the all-star game. I, I, I think you you pick the teams, however you're going to pick them, and um, there's going to be an appearance bonus. Um, everybody's going to get – I mean, it's, it's, it's got to be hefty. And um, you, you put a big bonus or give them a day off or something. I mean, <laughs> you, you've, you've, you've got to put a big prize to the winners in the all-star game. Otherwise, they're not going to play because they don't need to. It doesn't matter, and they know it. Um, and I think either you put a cash prize up and have them play a real game, or you just scrap the whole deal. Well, look, players, have... Most of the players don't really want to go anyway. Matt, you know this. I mean, maybe if you were a first-time pro bowler, you're excited about going. But most of these guys are just ready to go home. I mean, you get through four days off, you want to go home. Um, I just sort of, I don't know. I think they could do better. I'll just put it that way. Well, I mean, the NFL, um, they changed the Pro Bowl because I think they just understood nobody cared about it anymore or did. Well, it's a violent game, too. You run the risk of getting, you can be permanently injured playing in a Pro Bowl in the National Football League. That's not going to happen in an NBA All-Star game. All people want to do is just watch them try a little bit. Yeah, uh, that's that's true. Um and they don't want to see something that well, they so is you, a mockery of the game. I think that's the thing. I mean, it's like nobody nobody had any anger about, oh, they're changing the Pro Bowl. How can they do this? You know, I mean, I hated when Major League Baseball, you know, did the winner of the All-Star game. That league hosts, uh, you know, gets four games in the World Series in their home ballpark. I hated that. But, but there is an outcry about the NBA All-Star game because I just think people feel like it makes a mockery of the game. It's just a shooting contest, which... You know, you already have a shooting contest. You already have a dunk contest. So, you know, why make a mockery? I mean, it sounded like Silver was really angry about it, too. Not like the players are going to listen to him. Well, they've never had to because he doesn't do anything when they don't. I mean, look, LeBron runs the league, let's be honest. He I mean, has an player, agency, Chuck. His, 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 what's clutch sports? I know. That's the wildest thing I've ever heard of. I know. I mean, he runs the league and the players run the league. I, I, I'm not saying they're bad guys. I, I, I don't dislike LeBron like a lot of people do. I don't, I don't have any problem with LeBron. But let's just be honest about it. Um, 
when you let the players run the league, this is what happens. I mean, somebody's got to be the boss. I mean, somebody's got to be able to say no every once in a while. And you look at sports right now, college sports, pro sports, the people in charge are so afraid of the players that they let them do whatever they want, college and pro. I was going to say, don't forget about the college aspect of that, too. Um, uh, baseball starts 3-1. and one. Um, I think they played their best defense with guys like McIntyre, Fisher, Cody Frank out there. You know, this, we, we, are, we are so beholden to the analytics and the spin rate and the velocity and anybody who can throw up to 100 miles an hour, and it's nothing to take away from those who do, but guys who stood out this last weekend were guys – like McIntyre, Frank, Fisher, who work quickly through strikes, change speeds. You know, they they pitched, to, sit, to put it succinctly. Well, just because you've got all the same equipment and all the same um, things at your disposal that a major league pitcher does, doesn't make you a major league pitcher. I mean, you look all over college baseball, you've got big league facilities and and things for them to utilize that are at the big league level, and that's great. But that doesn't make them big leaguers. Um, you can analyze spin rate and things like that and velocity and all kinds of stuff until you're blue in the face. But you're dealing with amateur baseball. I'm of the opinion that if you're really going to utilize analytics, you've got to utilize them with pros because pros are the ones that can pull the plays off. And um, I don't know. I, I, I like McIntyre. I, I love watching McIntyre pitch. Because he's a pitcher, he's just a pitcher. Um, I don't know. I don't know what he looks like in the pitching lab. I have no idea. But uh, I know out there on the mound, he looks like a bulldog and a competitor and a big, strong kid who likes to win. I don't know if he's going to pitch in the big leagues or not. But we're not in the big leagues, and so um, I'd run him out there as much as I could. I guess they used him twice, and I'd be looking for. You know, it wouldn't bother me if he pitched twice every weekend. I think he's about the best they got. And I don't care what the analytics say. Man, I think you find find great college baseball teams, and just about every one of them had a guy like Will McIntyre in that pitching staff. Chuck, appreciate you, man. We'll be listening tonight, okay? Have a great call. All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Chuck. Chuck Barrett, voice of the Razorbacks, on the call tonight. 5.30 for the courtside show. He's got Zim, of course, with him there in College Station and a 602 tip. And a... Did I, he, did I mention it earlier? I think it's an 11 and a half point underdog. Wow. He was in, uh, he kind of, it's close. You can tell it's close to game time. A little more business mode. A little more, it's uh, Tiger Woods like focus right now. Hopefully, not the uh, amount of pain that Tiger is dealing with these days, too. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.